0: Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here with us today. The flowers that are placed in our sanctuary this morning are placed on the Lord's Supper table um, in memory of Paul Lyles Humphreys, and these flowers are given by Roger and, and Ellen Humphreys. Next Sunday, we are very excited on November 5th um, in our morning worship to have a deacon ordination for Connie Green. We are excited to have Connie uh, be a part of the deacons in our church, and we look forward to this special time next Sunday morning. The last thing I wanted to announce is that the Operation Christmas Child collection will once again be here at Boiling Springs Baptist Church. The collection dates are November 13th through 20th. We are glad that you are here with us and that you have chosen to worship with us at Boiling Springs Baptist Church. Our prayer is that we prepare our hearts to worship our Lord this
1: morning. Good morning. 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 My name is Ada McKinney. This year marks 500 years since the Protestant Reformation. In just a moment, we hope you will join with the others in singing one of the best known hymns from this era, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, written by the reformer Martin Luther. Thank goodness we will be singing this hymn in English, and not the original German. The words to this hymn are a paraphrase of Psalm 46. As we prepare to sing, will you first stand and join me in our call to worship that is printed in your bulletin? The congregation is asked to read the bold print. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble.
2: So we will not fear, even if earthquakes come and the mountains crumble
1: into the sea. Let the oceans roar in foam, let the mountains tremble as the waters surge.
3: The Lord Almighty is here among us, the God of Israel is our fortress.
2: If you would please turn to number eight in your hymnal, A Mighty Fortress, number eight. Invite the children for lesson on the steps. How are y'all today? Look at this bright and shiny pink cast we have today. How many of you can tell me a verse from the Bible without reading it? How about John 3:16? For God so loved the world. Right. Awesome. That's great. That's what God says he wants us to do. And as you get older, you can do this more and more often. You can put things by heart like a Bible verse or Jesus loves me or things that you learn in Sunday school or GAs and RAs. We learn to put them in our heart. That means we learn to live them strong every day when we learn to live them and when you've got something like for God so loved the world or Jesus loves me down in your heart and things don't go right one day then you can bring that up and think about it you know sometimes I found myself lately when things aren't going right and I'm just struggling I can't sing and I'm not going to try it but I do Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so And that's what he wants us to do, to be able to bring what we have in our heart. And now he says, I will put my law within you. I will write it on your heart and I will be your God and you will be among my people forever and ever and ever. And we know God's there. We know when we do special things for people that he remembers us. And we remember him. So when you think about it, when things are not going really good in school or things have not gone real good for you at home, we need to remember that Jesus loves me or for God so loved the world or the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Let's pray. Dear Lord, take these beautiful children and protect them be with their families, be with this church. Let them know that in our heart you are there, Lord, and that you forgive things, you lift us up, you put your arms around us. And no matter how old we are or how young we are, you're always in our heart to protect us and walk with us through troubled waters and peaceful waters. Lord, we thank you for your son Jesus and what his gift has meant for us. I ask these things in his name.
3: Amen. Thank you, Ellen. Tonight, let me encourage you, if you are here and parents of children or you maybe have grandchildren or neighbors that would just enjoy coming out to our Trail of Treats, encourage them to be here tonight. It's between 5 and 7. We'll have activities out on the front lawn, some blow-up blow activities and rock-climbing wall, I believe. And then every 15 minutes, roughly, we'll bring groups into the sanctuary and pray for me, pray for Alan, as we tonight share the simple gospel message with everybody that comes through using a pumpkin. And uh, some of you may have seen this before, but uh, pray for us as we do that, because as the children come, their parents come, and uh, just pray for receptive hearts and that they will hear and not only have a good time and enjoy a lot of candy and go home and eat it and act crazy with their parents, but uh, pray that they also hear the gospel message as they come in and that they are receptive uh, to that tonight. So be in prayer for us. Also, uh, many of you know, we have, like I've said for the last several weeks, uh, many different mission partners. Some of those partners are uh, missionaries on on the field in foreign lands and a couple that uh, that many of you know quite well, Don and Janet Pittman have been here and shared with us and have lived within this community for some time on furlough. But they are going back to Turkey this week and they called this week to ask for prayer Uh, with all the unrest that's going on in that area. They are praying that their visas, that everything will be accepted and that they will have smooth re-entry back into Turkey. And so they said, please pray for us in that. And also as we prepare to take in in December, our offering for foreign missions and our global missions offering, uh, they are CBF missionaries and just ask us to remember them as we give in that offering. And they are two people that we know very personally who are beneficiaries of that offering. As we continue in uh, or as we begin to have a moment of prayer, I want to just encourage you to pray for two people specifically. But Jane Stroud, many of you know, uh, has been now approved to be uh, on the lung transplant list. And so she is building her strength up and doing everything she can for that to be a successful procedure. So be in prayer for Jane and Charles as they are now, for the most part, living in uh, the Raleigh-Durham area. And uh, as they are undergoing and and waiting for this time to uh, to get the green light for the to go ahead with the transplant. Uh, She came by the office this week and we had just a wonderful conversation and prayer time with her. And she has uh, wonderful spirits. But be in prayer for her as she awaits this very important time. And also for Winburn Lee. Many of you know uh, uh, Martha Green, who passed away about a little over a year ago, maybe her daughter, Winburn Lee. Uh, here in the community, her son, Jamie, who mows our grass here at the church. But Winburn was in a, a very bad traffic accident in front of Crest Middle School this week and is in intensive care and critical condition there in Charlotte with multiple injuries. And so we just want to lift her up in prayer fervently over these next several days that she can cross over uh, this uh, these injuries and, and begin to heal and to improve. And so will you join me in your praying um, for Winburn Lee? Let's pray together this morning. God, we're grateful to be in your house. We're grateful as we remember the words of Psalm 46 that you are our refuge and strength and a very present help in time of trouble. Whether that trouble be natural disasters, whether that trouble be chaos within our homes, whether that chaos be distractions within our lives, God, we are thankful. That you are our rock that you are our refuge and a very present help in time of trouble lord we each come in here today with different things on our hearts and our minds and i pray that you would meet each of us at the point of our need lord for those that need that encouragement that strength today those that need that challenge lord i also pray that your holy spirit would convict in areas where we need to confess and come clean with you this today Lord, our hearts are heavy towards Winburn Lee, who was in the accident this week. We pray for your healing mercies upon her. We pray that you, as the good shepherd, would walk beside her through this very difficult season. We pray for Jane Stroud and for Charles, that you would walk with them through this time right now. Lord, we're grateful for your presence in her life and the joy that she has, even in the midst of this difficult season. Father, it is our desire today to worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray that you would challenge us in new and fresh ways. We pray, Lord, as we reflect back on 500 years from this Tuesday, the work that Martin Luther did in reforming the Catholic church and and, in trying to uh, bring about reform in in an environment that was very corrupt. Lord, we're reminded as this reformation took place 500 years ago, that Lord, it continues in us today. And that Lord, we are constantly in the process of being reformed. And so Father, we pray that you would take us as we are today. That's the only way that we can come and that, Lord, you would take us and you would continue that work of reformation in us. Lord, may we be pliable, may we be vessels that you can work with and may we be open to allow your Holy Spirit to do that this day. Bless each song that is sung, prayer prayed, your scripture as it's read and your message as it is preached this morning. Stir in our hearts anew and and when we leave here today, may we all say it's good to have been in your house. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name, the name above all names amen
2: the words for our next hymn can be found either in your order of service or on the um, screen so please join in singing we'll sing it through two times it's printed once but we'll just sing it as it is two times please stand and join me in singing shout to the lord
0: us pray together. God, we thank you for all the blessings that you give us each and every day. We thank you for reforming our lives, for changing us as Christians. God, we ask that you bless this time of worship together, bless our tithes and our offerings so that they go towards the work in your kingdom that needs to be done. We thank you and we love you and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: have Your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to Romans. We're actually going to begin with chapter 1. It's not printed in your bulletin, but it will be on the screen. And also, we'll continue with Romans chapter 3. But uh, Romans 1 17 is a significant verse in the midst of the sermon this morning. Paul wrote, For in it, meaning the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed through faith, for faith, as it is written the one who is righteous will live by faith continuing on over to chapter 3 beginning at verse 19 and these words should be you can read it in your scripture or they should be on the screen as well now we know that whatever the law says it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world may be held accountable to God For no human being will be justified in his sight by deeds prescribed by the law. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now apart from law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction since all had sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. He did this to show his righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over the sins previously committed. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus then what becomes of boasting? It is excluded. By what law? By that of works? No. But by the law of faith. For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from works prescribed by the law. May God add his blessing to the reading and preaching of his word this morning. Amen, thank you Candy and choir and accompanist. What a great song to lay the foundation, how firm a foundation, but to lay the foundation for where we're headed in our sermon this morning. I wanna invite you to take a journey with me this morning. A journey to 16th century Europe, a time when the Roman Catholic Church ruled with great authority. And into this setting comes a young German man who was training to be a lawyer with the great influence of his father, and uh, there was nothing about this man that shouted history changer or reformer to those who knew him. There was a nothing. Uh, or let me say this: at the age of 21, he commits his first act of rebellion. He leaves his family and his studies to become a lawyer, to become a monk. I don't know how well that would go over in your family. You know, the family has great aspirations for their son to become this lawyer, and all of a sudden he tells them that, by the way, I'm not doing this, and I'm going to go live in a monastery. And so that's what the name, or that's what the young man, Martin Luther, did. Martin Luther was obsessed with per- personal purity. He struggled to live life under the haunting question, have I done enough to please God? As he lived there in the monastery, he would dedicate him his life to prayer and to fasting and to hard work in the monastery. But he would also be one to practice what some call self-flagellation, he would actually beat himself and would discipline himself. He would lay on a cold floor with no blanket because he didn't feel worthy and he, he wanted to be closer to God and he didn't want anything to hinder his relationship with God. And he would go to great extremes in, in uh, the way he lived there in the monastery. Because again, of that haunting question, have I done enough to please God? He was afraid of the wrath of God. So he would try to live the life through his works and through everything that he could do to appease God and to live in right relationship with God through his actions. As Luther grew in his biblical studies, Luther had a great concern and a burden for the the direction of the Catholic Church. The church was selling indulgences and at the time the church would for the right amount of money be able to, you could offer the church money and they, the the Pope would bless you and would forgive you of your sins and would not only of you and your sins but those maybe relatives that had passed and maybe you weren't sure about their salvation could bring them out of purgatory or if you had the right amount of money you could give that and and your sins in the future would already be forgiven because of your gifts to the church. This was called the selling of indulgences. The story has it that the early seed money for St. Peter's, uh, or the St. Peter's Basilica in Vatican City, uh, that the seed money for that came from from the selling of indulgences. To Luther, the Catholic church had lost its way. And Luther starts this debate of what is wrong with the church by a synonymous moment, time that many of you may remember. But on October the 31st, 1517, exactly 500 years from this coming Tuesday, Luther goes up to the door of the Wittenberg Castle Church in Germany and nails what we have come to know as the 95 thesis or the 95 grievances towards the Catholic Church. And in that, it talks about uh, the sale of indulgences and how the church is corrupt because of that. And it talks about the thing that, that set the, the, the church aflame against Luther was it talks about the misuse of authority among the Pope and among all of those in papal authority. I have a sh- very short video that summarizes some of the things that I have just said this morning, and I think we're going to show that at this time.
1: In the 16th century, the church practice of indulgence had become corrupted. People were charging money in exchange for the forgiveness of sins. The leaders of the church were abusing God's gift of grace for profit. Meanwhile, a monk named Martin Luther, a theologian of the Scriptures, was questioning his personal salvation. He struggled to understand the Scripture in Romans 1:16 through 16-17. Paul proclaims the good news of God's justice, saving us by His grace, not by what we have done. As he studied the passage, he first understood the gospel message that God forgives sins through faith. This new understanding contradicted what he saw practiced in the church. In 1517, he wrote these differences in 95 theses, which challenged the church he loved to rethink their actions. This marked the beginning of the Protestant Reformation. This movement changed our views on justification, the authority of Scripture, and church leadership. People's views of God were no longer limited to fear and judgment, but expanded to see Him as Comforter and
3: Savior. In the 16th century, the world was divided about Martin Luther. Someone in the Catholic Church called him a demon in the appearance of a man. And someone else who knew Luther well and knew of his writings and had conversations with him would declare that he alone is right. You can imagine how this differing views might have gone over at the time. A few years later, after Luther posted his 95 thesis on the door, things began to culminate. And in 1521, Luther is summoned to appear before the Pope's political commander the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V. He appears at an official church meeting called A Diet in the German town of Worms. And Luther thought he was asked to come to debate a subject or to debate a topic. And he brought his books and laid them out there in front of him as the others had some of his books as well. And, but Luther quickly realized that there was going to be no debate here, but the people, the leadership, the papal authority wanted to ask him to do one thing and one thing only. And they asked him, Martin Luther, do you or do you not recant these writings? Luther asked for a day to think about it. And I was surprised that they gave him that day. And he he comes back the next day and tries to begin to redirect the conversation and share his views with these in authority. And so they ask him the question again, Martin Luther, do you recant these writings? Luther knew the consequences of what that could be. But these words, I think these words are included on a slide for us this morning. Luther, before the Holy Roman and Emperor Charles V, says these words, "'Unless I am convicted by Scripture and plain reason, "'I do not accept the authority of popes and councils, "'for they have contradicted each other. "'My conscience is captive to the word of God. "'I cannot and I will not recant anything, "'for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. "'Here I stand, I cannot do otherwise. "'God help me, amen.'" Perhaps the most notable words spoken during the Protestant Reformation. By the time the imperial edict was issued and, and had uh, convicted Martin Luther as a heretic, Martin Luther had escaped to the Wartburg um, Castle where he hid for 10 months and while he's there, he does not waste uh, time, but he translates the Bible into German. One of the things that was difficult for the people of this day is they came to church, they would hear the scripture in Latin. Or they would hear the preaching in Latin. And so they would come to fulfill their obligatory duties to come to church, in a sense, and to be imparting the Catholic Church at the time. But no one could understand what was being said. And so those who traveled before the, this journey of Reformation, before Martin Luther, John Wycliffe, and Huss, and others, uh, had began to had begun to um, uh, to translate the Scripture into the common vernacular, and they, of course, suffered the consequences for that. The Protestant Reformation was the rediscovery, if you will, of the doctrine of justification. That is, salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone. It was all through the protest against the corruption within the Roman Catholic Church. It was life-changing for Luther to take seriously the words of Paul in Romans 1.17, which say at the end of that verse, the righteous man shall live by faith. If you're like me, you've had times in your life when your eyes were opened and when you were going along your life as normal and all of a sudden things began to change and you began to see God and others in the world in a whole new light. This was that time in the life of Martin Luther. When his studies led him to Romans 1 verse 17 saying that the just shall live by faith and then later as um, uh, he was studying Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 25. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption, which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. This was freeing for Luther to understand truly that the just shall live by faith. All of these things that Luther had done to try to earn God's salvation, this, as we say today, was a game changer for Luther. The title of the sermon this morning is The Work of, some may read it as Reformation, but I put a little dash in there, The Work of Reformation. It is our goal as Christians to become more Christ-like. If we are in a continual process of being reformed, if you reform something, you're improving it. Uh, for those of you that know, uh, well, I mean, all of us should know, the, the, the prefix re before any word could mean two things. One, it could mean again, or again and again, and it could also mean backwards, or going backwards. If you retype something, you have something there, but you go back again and retype it, or you redo it. Uh, as we think of the work of reformation, you and I are in the process, the continual process of being formed. And as we are opening ourselves up to God and his work in our lives, that process should be open as well to us being reformed as well. Hopefully as Christians who desire to grow in our faith, you and I are seeking to improve upon to reform our spiritual lives to be more like Christ. The work of reformation isn't a one-time event. It's a lifelong journey. And looking back at my own life, if I begin to retrace the points of reformation, the pivotal points that led to a deeper relationship with God, I wanna share just briefly with you this morning, I can't help but think about that. I shared, it was either last Sunday or Sunday before last, that as a young uh, kindergarten through sixth grader, I was in a private school. And it was a private school that was very legalistic. My hair couldn't touch the collar, Uh, shirt tail had to be tucked in with a belt, and I mean, I could go on and on. There was all kinds of written and unwritten rules that they had. And as a kid, I experienced a loving environment in the midst of that legalism, at home and at church and school. But as I began to grow and began to go into my high school years, I shared with you that the fact that I began to read scripture for the first time because I wanted to. I wasn't being asked to memorize it, I wasn't being asked to fulfill certain obligations, but I began to be curious about all these things that I've been learning throughout my life, and I began for the very first time as a high school student at home some evenings, I remember beginning to read through the New Testament. And as I talked about Luther and this eye-opening time where you begin to see the world and others in the church and everything differently, that was the beginning, if you will, or the next step in the beginning of my Reformation of what it means to be reformed. From there, I went to Garden webb as a young college student. I grew both in the classroom and through opportunities that I was afforded as a college student and what that means to be, again, to be reformed and to be changed into who God is calling Keith McKinney to be. I moved from, um, uh, as a young adult from college, I went into my first position as a youth minister and I began to sense of what it was not just for me to be led, but for what it is for me and God calling me to, to lead others. And in the midst of that I met Renee and, and seeing how God is working in her life and seeing how God uh, works through others and I began to gain new perspectives and so again, this continual process of being reformed and allowing God to move and to work and to change us. Moving from youth ministry to the pastorate brought a whole new point of reformation that I'm continually going through. Now I want you to think about this morning about your own life. Think back through the years, childhood, high school, young adult, young career stage. Think back through those points of your own reformation that brought you to where you are today in your relationship with God. Do you see some things in your mind's eye? Who were the key players? What were the key events, circumstances that led, that led you to new commitments? Some of these moments may have been joy-filled as we think back. There may have been times of just incredible joy that changed everything for us. But some of these times may have been the darkest night of the soul that you and I have ever experienced. We would never want to go back there, but because we went through, as I think about walking through the valley of the shadow of death there in Psalm 23, but because we walked through this journey, because we walked through this valley, this low point of our life, we begin to see God in the world and others from a new perspective. God is continually reforming and reshaping us to look more like him. And are we allowing him to do that? I can't help but think of the words of Paul in Philippians 1-6, a very appropriate verse in light of being reformed. He says, for I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will continue to perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Church, God is doing a work in us right now. We can think back about what he has done and we can be hopeful about what he will do. But let's be attentive to what he is doing right now in your heart and in mine, in the life of our church, community, and world. The work of personal reformation is a lifelong journey, but it is work that we can take with confidence knowing that Christ has done the ultimate work of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. The work of personal reformation could look a little bit like the following. These are just some simple points that um, help us this morning with this topic. The work of personal reformation, we begin to reevaluate our own walk with the Lord. We begin to reevaluate our own walk with the Lord. It it may be that we begin to reread the scriptures. It may be that we begin to rethink about things that we've known and thought our whole lives or believed and we begin once again, because of what we are rereading, as Martin Luther did, we begin to rethink about our practices and about our lives and the way that we are living them. We retrace our journey. We go back to what we talked about a couple weeks ago. We go back to see if there's evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Are we seeing a greater awareness of that in our lives than are others seeing that in us? Or are the evidence of the flesh more, uh, more evident than, excuse me, the fruit of the Spirit? When we evaluate, we're looking into the condition of something. If you go and evaluate a new car that you're thinking about purchasing, especially if it's a used car, you begin, you want to know the history of the car, you want to know where it's been, you want to know, especially recently, if it's been in a hurricane, experienced flood damage, you wanna know everything you can about the car before you make that final purchase. You evaluate the car. You see what's there and what's not there. And as we experience, as we go down the path of reformation in our own lives, we do that as well. We reevaluate, we see what's there and what's not there. And as we do the work of reevaluation, we can begin to rebuild our spiritual life or we can begin to restore our faith. Based on what we found uh, as we were reevaluating, we begin the work of rebuilding and the work of spiritual restoration. I think of Nehemiah and the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem, the restoring of the nation of Israel, the reach of Jerusalem and what this means to the people of Israel. The question is, after reevaluating your spiritual life, are you willing to do the hard work of rebuilding? We've reevaluated and because we have found some things that weren't exactly the way we had wanted them to be, we begin to rebuild. But as the sermon title says this morning, it says the work of reformation. God has done the ultimate work in his son Jesus Christ for us. But we are left to do the work of rebuilding his walk and his, his relationship in our lives. I almost wore my dirty boots this morning as a reminder that, that this rebuilding is hard work. It would be a lot easier for God's people to sit back and do nothing. But it's much more difficult for God's people to reevaluate. It's much more difficult once we find what we do when we reevaluate to rebuild. And the last point this morning is after reevaluating and rebuilding our renewed and a re-energized spiritual life. If we have done the hard work to reevaluate and to rebuild, then we're, we are going to experience renewal, and we are going to experience a re-energized spiritual life. Isaiah 40:31 says, "Those who wait, those who hope on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles, and they will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not faint." As we think about going through the work of personal reformation, the results are spiritual renewal and a spiritual life that is re-energized. This pathway to reformation leads us on a journey where the results end, to add another re-word, in rejoicing. Some of you have been down this road, some of you have done the hard work that I've talked about this morning of reevaluating and rebuilding, and you know what that renewal is like. You know what that re-energized feeling is like. But some of you in here this morning, maybe this has touched your heart. Maybe something about this is saying, Keith, you know, I need to do some re-evaluating and I need to do some rebuilding. The invitation this morning is are you allowing Christ to continue his work of reformation in you? We no longer have to live in the misery that Martin Luther endured, asking ourselves over and over and over again, have I done enough to please God? Paul also tells us in Ephesians that it's not by our works, but it's by grace that we are saved. Have you come to Christ by grace through faith? The doctrine a justification was absent, beginning in the early stages of the Reformation. And Luther's strong message, after being awoken to the meaning behind Romans 1, that it is by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone, that we are saved. Will you pray with me? Father, we're grateful for Martin Luther. We're grateful for other reformers during this time that have walked the journey of reformation. Lord, for those who have uh, went this path before us and have done the hard work of evaluating and rebuilding, Lord, we are grateful. Your church is grateful. But Father, today we are in the midst of a culture where your church and the voice of your church could be much stronger. And so Father, help us as your people, as your church, to do some honest evaluation. And Lord, based on what we find, help us to be willing to do the hard work of rebuilding so that we can experience that renewal and that re-energized spiritual life. Lord, if there are those here today that have never put their faith and trust in you, I pray that they would feel the tug of the Holy Spirit today and that they would be reminded, like Paul said in Corinthians, that you are making us new creatures, that you make all things new. Father, you tell us in Romans that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. And Lord, if there are any here today that have never made that commitment, I pray that today would be the day of salvation and today would be the day day that they can begin anew. But Lord, for others in here this morning, maybe we've simply been going through the motions or maybe we, we, like Luther, have been trying to please God through our works and through our good deeds and we've simply not fully committed our lives to him and the grace that he offers. So Father, stir within us today as we stand and sing. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. There are those who would like to pray, like to make a commitment. I would love to talk with you at the altar if there are those of you that would like to join the fellowship of Bowling Springs Baptist Church. And for this to be a place where we can grow together, I invite you to come and talk with me about that as well. Let's stand and sing together. remain standing for just a moment, I want to ask uh, Patrick Harrison to come and stand with me this morning he 's given all his information to Betsy. We already have a lot of it, Patrick. but Patrick has been with us now for a little over a month he 's been coming to men 's study he 's been coming to Sunday school in the men 's class and appreciate Josh Guffey coming down to sit with him. Uh, Jamie Nolan and other guys have been getting to know Patrick as well as myself. He and I shared a lunch together recently at a big high dollar lunch at McDonald's and and got to know each other. But Patrick has committed his life uh, to Jesus Christ. Uh, He did that some time ago. He has been baptized. He is a member at Big Springs Baptist Church. And uh, he comes today seeking membership here at Bowling Springs Baptist. He has, like I said, put his faith and trust in the Lord. He's been baptized. And he comes today seeking membership here at Bowling Springs. What is the pleasure of the church? Do I have a second? All in favor, say Aye. All right. I'll. Um, well, I, I guess I need to do that. Um, but uh, Patrick, we're glad that you're with us. We look forward to growing together. Uh, I know Patrick has already, like I said, plugged into. Uh, uh, I, men study at eight o'clock on Sunday mornings, a Sunday school class, and has been active and wanting to serve and grow. And so Patrick, we welcome you into the fellowship of Bowling Springs Baptist Church. And like I said, look forward to growing with you. And um, if you'll just hang out down here at the end, one of the things about Patrick to help you get to know him is Patrick spent many years in the service and wanted to be a career military man. And uh, some things changed that plan. And I'll let Patrick tell you a little bit more about that. But Patrick is a veteran and we are grateful for your service, Patrick. so let's pray together, and then we'll have the choral response. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, continue to do that work of reformation in each of your people, so that we can look more like you. Amen. Just, hang in, just hang it.